Good, my Jews. It is Wednesday. It is episode 10 of The Locker Room, presented by Durobe and Louisville Autoplex. I'm your host, Johnny Lazarus. I am finally in the comfort of my own home. It is so good to be back in New York. But before we talk about that, I do want to send it over to our co-host, Justin Kappelmaster. What is going on, Cappy? What's up, Johnny? Thanks for the quick little intro there. Um, having a good day today. Um, had some matzo ball soup and potato latkes tonight for dinner, so I'm absolutely stuffed. Um, it was unbelievable. So happy my mom made it for it. Uh, before we get into who's coming on today, let me say hi to our producer, Maxi. Max, what's up? What's up, guys? Still here in Long Island, quarantining, doing my thing. How are you guys doing? <laughs> Thanks, Maxi. We're doing great. Before we get into Eric Nystrom coming on, something I wanted to bring up. I know we talked about it briefly in the interview, and Eric, will, you'll, hear, you'll hear Eric mention it. Um, I want to talk about some of the arenas that Johnny and I played in throughout our college experiences, some of the ones that stuck out to us, whether it was a game, whether it was an arena or team we're playing. So I guess we'll kick it over to you, Johnny. You can start us off. Um, I mean, I would say, I don't know if this really counts as an arena, but my most memorable experience from my college career was playing Frozen Fenway at Fenway Park. Uh, that was my freshman year. We played against Boston University. and it was, Very cool. It was really cool because it was, it was actually right after – Team USA won the uh, gold medal at the World Juniors, and like Charlie McAvoy, who's a friend of mine, uh, Clayton Keller, um, who else on that team? Um, I'm blanking. Jordan Greenway, you know. So they came back like two days after winning the gold medal, and they played against us at BU. And I actually remember like seven of my really good friends came to the game in Boston that weekend, and they were sitting on the Green Monster. And like during the national anthem on the blue line, I heard from the green monster, like one of my friends, it was Reed actually, he screamed like, let's go Laz. And like my teammate next to me was like, you fucking hear that? That was so cool. Like (laughs) like the whole Fenway Park heard it. So, um, I mean, obviously that atmosphere was different than I guess a normal college hockey game would be. I would say my favorite rink that I played at was Maine. I thought that atmosphere was really cool. But as far as like the coolest arena that I played in by far, Fenway Park, that was an awesome experience. What about you guys? Yeah, uh, Fenway, that's that's unbelievable. I unfortunately didn't get to play in an outdoor game throughout my college uh, experience. I would have loved to, dude. I love that shit. Uh, I would have put a toque on top of my helmet. I would have been, oh, mm-hmm. it would have been phenomenal. I actually did play in an outdoor game when I was playing in juniors for the Bobcats. We played like the Apple Corps. Um, it was oh, like, like it fucking was, Beaver yeah. Dam. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah. It was like it was like over. Oh, uh, it was over in like Brewster, I think actually. But oh, that was so funny. It was like when I transferred from Apple Corps to the Bobcats, and we ended up mm-hmm. losing. It was a shit show. But back to um, my most memorable experience would have to probably be while I was at Ferris State um, my freshman year. We played Boston College at PPG, the Penns Arena. And I had a lot of good, but a couple buddies on the BC team, one specifically Austin Cangelosi. And uh, I ended up having like 58 shots. I mean, um, that game. So it was a really good game for me, especially freshman year. Mm-hmm. Ended up shutting him down on like a shootout. And then obviously playing in the Penns Arena 
um, was was remarkable. And then thankfully, I got to play in the Penns Arena this year again for Robert Morris against Penn State, which we actually got shit kicked in. But <laughs> I thought you were going to say uh, the Joe Lewis for the GLI, or was that not the Joe? That you I never no. So so I didn't get to play in the GLI uh, during my time at Ferris because uh, our fresh our freshman year that was the showcase in Pittsburgh. That's the one we gotcha. where we played Boston College. Gotcha. So of course the year where I uh, that I left Ferris, they were in the GLI. So gotcha. For those who don't been, know, it's like the Greater Lakes Invitational. It's all the Michigan teams, and they play in the Red Wings Arena, which is really cool. But sorry, Cap, I didn't know that you didn't play there. But uh, Maxie, what's that, your cool arena happens. story? So for me, I played uh, basketball and tennis in high school. So for me, um, this was actually when I wasn't really playing tennis on a regular basis. This was after high school. Um, my brother, he was on the club team and had a tournament like the Arthur Ashe and the U.S. Open mm-hmm. Complex outside. So I went, went to go cheer him on. And in between matches, I found a way to sneak on to Arthur Ashe. I found like an open door. So cool. I left like a little, uh, I left like a little stick in the door just to make sure that that door stayed open. And then me and my brother snuck in to Arthur Ashe and was able to hit on uh, the Arthur Ashe court, which was pretty cool. That's pretty sweet. Who won? Oh, we, we just rallied, but my brother would kick <laughs> my ass. Yeah. That's good stuff. That's good, Max. I love that. But before we get into the interview, I do want to bring up that the last dance was on this past Sunday. I did get to watch it. I know you boys watched it too. Um, let's start with you, Maxie. What did you think of the, ne- the, the recent, most recent two episodes? I thought they were the best two episodes so far. So I always knew about Jordan's gambling problem. Didn't know it that well. I, you know, I'd have my uncle or my dad kind of tell me if I, if I ever like brought up and asked questions, but to see it in, in like more detail and to see like what happened. I, th- I actually think he had a hilarious quote. It was something about like, I don't have a gambling problem. It was like, it was like I could stop whenever I want. I just don't want to stop or something right. like that. Yeah. 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 And I, I mean, I thought, I thought that was pretty, pretty funny. I mean, the guy was an absolute baller. And even when mm-hmm. it got into the, polit- the, the politics, he just said, I consider myself a basketball player, not, not someone who's going to get like the way Muhammad Ali was, how LeBron is now. And he just didn't consider, consider himself that. He was just a baller. I believe the quote you're looking for is, I don't have a gambling problem. I have a competition problem. Competition is that the one? Problem. Yeah, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Johnny, what'd you think? I honestly, I, I love these two episodes, but I, I did hate how much they skip around with the timeline. Like I, it, it was like 93 to 98 to not like uh, that's, I mean, I understand they're telling different stories, but like the timeline could be a little better. I think, I mean, I don't know what you guys think about that, but yeah. that's just oh, for me. It was good. But then again, I have seen that uh, dream team 30 for 30 and like to see this kind of footage of it, where it was just simply focused on Michael. That was really fucking cool. And that was awesome. And then I also love, how Kobe spoke about how there would be no Kobe Bryant without Michael Jordan. I thought that was really cool. And how like all these guys were basically telling stories about Kobe when he was only like a year into the league. Like that was awesome. What about you, Cap? No, I thought it was great. Like you said about the dream team, I was shocked that even though, I mean, I wasn't shocked because he was the best college player, but who was it? Christian Leitner was on the dream team, Mm -hmm. the only college player from, which was, you see all these guys and then Christian Leitner, like imagine like what was, what was going through his mind. Like that's just Mm -hmm. insane. Well, um, Barkley then, has a funny story. Uh, Barkley told a funny story about Leitner in the, the first did he? Um This was this is separate. This was when oh, this wasn't the last dance. Yeah, this was yeah, when yeah, they got inducted dance. into Hall of Fame. Uh, Barkley fouled him hard, and it was and he said to him, 
Welcome to the big league. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Barley's no, players. Yeah, I thought that was insane. I mean, I couldn't even imagine what was going through his head during, you know, practicing with these guys and stuff like that. And then, like you touched on, Johnny, obviously the Kobe stuff was pretty heartfelt. Um, I wish they did a little more Kobe stuff, but, I mean, they pro- they, they projected it so well. And, and like mm-hmm. like Kobe said, you know, it was kind of like Jordan was his older brother. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, pretty, and there will, be a Col- there will be a Kobe doc, so that's something oh, to yeah. look forward to. For sure. I mean, I, th- I think that that's all my thoughts on the last episode. Do you guys want to send it over to Eric? Let's do it. This interview is brought to you by Dude Robe. Just imagine if a hoodie and a robe had a kid. That's Dude Robe. It's sweatshirt on the outside with absorbent, comfortable material on the inside. Dude Robe is the first bathrobe designed specifically for guys and the only bathrobe to ever appear on Shark Tank. I love wearing my Dude Robe around the rink after a hard day at practice, and it's the first thing I put on every Sunday morning to lay on the couch and watch sports all day. Tons of pro athletes and NBA superstars like Giannis, Zion, Kyrie Irving, and Trey Young are all rocking their dude robes in the locker room. We love our dude robes, and because we know you will too, we've got an exclusive 20% off discount code for all of our listeners. Just go to www.duderobe.com and type in LAKE, L-A-T-K-E, at checkout to get your dude robe at 20% off. This guy was bar mitzvahed at Temple Havarim. He grew up in my hometown, Syosset, Long Island, and attended Portlidge High School. Prior to college, he left home to play for the U.S. National Development Team. He also represented the United States in the World Juniors in the years 2002 and 2003. He then went on to play his four years of college college hockey at the University of Michigan, where he played in two Frozen Fours and served as the captain in his senior year. In 2002, he was the 10th overall draft pick by the Calgary Flames in the NHL entry draft. During his time in the NHL, he played for the Calgary Flames, Minnesota Wild, Dallas Stars, and Nashville Predators, and then finished up his career playing overseas in Norway. He is someone that I have looked up to for a long time, and we are so excited to talk to him. Welcome to the Locker Room Podcast, Eric Nystrom. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Quite What an intro, man. That's awesome. Thanks. I think I botched it a little bit. Yeah, that's all right. uh, What an intro. Appreciate that. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We're really excited to have you. Yeah, no problem. So Eric, what have, what have you been up to lately? How's the uh, quarantine going on your end? And where are you, uh, where are you at right now? Where are you staying? Well, we kind of lucked out. My wife and I and my son, we flew down to Florida kind of right before things got crazy to visit my parents. And then we ended up not uh, just, just hanging back here because of what was going on. And, yeah. you know, Michigan's a pretty, uh, in, in some pretty tough shape right now, but you know, my parents live on a, on in a community with a bunch of golf courses, and uh, they're all closed. But we could still take the cart out and throw my son in there, and he loves going for a little <laughs> drive. And yeah, we got a pool in the back, so that's uh, my dad built a little gym in the garage because he's just getting ready for training camp next year. <laughs> so we've been in there, you know, doing some stuff. So uh, we've been really lucky to just by chance get stuck down here. What part of Florida are you in? Uh, Boca Raton, obviously. We're both in Florida. That's too. actually too. That's uh, actually too funny. Are we around the corner? I'm in Gainesville, so not really. Uh, 
Okay. I'm actually I'm in I'm in Panama City Beach right now uh, with my girlfriend's parents, but I'm from Broward County, uh, so not even like 15 oh, minutes away from you right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's where I am, Boca Raton, just uh, you know, Long Island too, as I like to call oh, it. That's such, oh, it's such a Jewish area too. They call it the uh-huh. Boca, oh the Boca bitches. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> my my grandparents are there too. My mom's right now in uh, Valencia Isles in that uh, neighborhood there. I don't know if you know it. It's like, uh, you know, I'm not familiar with that one, but it's so funny. My parents, you know, they moved down here. and We always had a Christmas party because, like, you know, we, we were in Syosset, so everybody was Jewish. So we had the Christmas party my whole life growing up at my house on Long Island. And then now I, I, I came back for the Christmas party, and they had it down here in Florida, and it was literally the exact same guest list. Every single person. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like being at home, yeah, so – that's so funny. So, so talk about growing up in Sayas a little bit. I mean, I'm from there. Like you said, it's a relatively Jewish area. How did you guys celebrate Jewish holidays growing up? And that being said, are you, are you doing anything special for Passover? Um, we all, you know, my my mom's Jewish, my dad's not, but he's not like an overly re- he's not religious at all. To be honest, I think he's Jewish now. Actually, watching him <laughs> react to the stock market, he definitely is like a New York <laughs> a Jewish finance guy. So funny, <laughs> but. Uh, but we're, uh, we always had a Christmas tree and then we had the uh, menorah as well. So we always kind of did that thing. That's about worlds. Yeah, exactly. We, we were lucky. And then, you know, Passover, we always had the holidays, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, just, you know, just like any other family. And and we weren't uh, overly religious. I was obviously bar mitzvahed. So we're going to have a little Passover dinner here somehow. I don't know what we're going to figure out. My mom tried calling the clubhouse here. They were catering um, Passover meals and, and they have 1100, no they have 1100 to make. That's absurd. <laughs> yeah. That's absurd. That's I think we'll be having like canned tuna. <laughs> canned gefilte. <laughs> canned gefilte. Exactly. That'd be a shit ton of latkes. Mm. I'm making latkes for the first time tomorrow. So we'll see how they turn out. But I'm not Good sure. I'm pretty excited. That. Good luck. No, no, on top of that, Eric, um, growing up in Long Island, your dad was obviously a huge NHL star for the New York Islanders, so you weren't just a typical Jewish kid growing up in Long Island. Um, I can't imagine if you could remember your bar mitzvah with a, you know, where there were a bunch of NHL players. Like, how amazing was that? Uh, it was, you know, my dad's best friends. Like, Clark Gillies is there. Jerry Hart, he's one of my best friends' dads. I, I don't know if you guys had exposure to Bob and Jerry growing up on youth hockey, you know, they were coaching like the junior Islander team. So it seems like every player, they, they, yeah. I think they might've been a little before. I met your dad was, a bunch of times because uh, uh, of Corey Bell. But did you ever play, did you play like TV Quebec or anything though? Yeah. Well, not, not in the Islander team. I got cut, but. Oh, sorry. But was Bob still coaching then? Was Bob still the coach then? I think he might've been. Yeah. But I met your dad a bunch through uh, Corey Bell. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, the Jerry, he was uh, was there, another former Islander. God, it was so long ago, I don't even remember who was there. But, you know, all the time, like, I'd have a barbecue at my house. Yeah. And, like, Pat LaFontaine would come over and, you know, Clark and all these old Islanders just swinging by the house. It, it, I was so fortunate to have that. Who, who you know, has a, a dad who won four Stanley Cups and has a number retired, you know, it's Pretty surreal. For sure. Um, on top of that, Eric, do you remember a little bit far back to your bar mitzvah? Can you tell us anything about it? Do you remember the theme? I'm assuming it was hockey. Like, of There's of no course. way that. It was Islanders. You know, it was the Islanders theme and like the dance floor was like a rink and had the Islanders logo in the center and all like the centerpieces were like these hockey players and we had the Islanders mascot came oh, in. My no way. <laughs> Niles. It was Niles at the time and they were wearing like the ugly Gordon Fisherman jersey at the time. 
So that's that was uh, that was the theme of the bar mitzvah. It was, a, it was a pretty good party, from what I remember. But I, you know, I've had a few concussions since then. So, <laughs> oh boy! <you> know. <laughs> but uh, speaking of partying, we've heard a little story that you love to DJ, and we heard about a time where you were in a DJ booth with your tarp off at the hottest day club in Los Angeles. Can you tell that story uh, a little bit? Oh come on! That, <laughs> I mean, that was. I think that was like a, that turned into like a standard Sunday routine uh, for a while there. Uh, we, we had a bunch of hockey players that I used to train with in the summer and, and we would train all week. And Sunday was this huge day party that they always had going. And we eventually became, you know, friends with all the people there because we were absolute idiots. So, you know, we basically could do whatever the hell we want. And it might have ended with it. Uh, that's only one time, but I know for sure we, we were shirtless in the DJ booth a few times. Oh, so I love it. There were some fun times, man. There were some fun times. I dream about those right now as we're sitting in our house. I'm stuck with my parents for crying out loud. Seriously. Just DJ on the stove or something. Ah, uh, yeah. I, I had, I just, at home, I just set up all my gear and stuff. I got like a nice turntable set up and like it was just in kind of storage for a little bit. I got the newborn, really hadn't had a chance to break it out. Now he's getting a little bigger. So I put the whole setup going and now. Like I was just starting to get some mixes going and you know, when the little guy's playing in the morning, I'll spin some songs. I'll be like, <laughs> and I'll be in the middle of the mix and I'll be like listening for a transition, do a quick diaper change. And then oh, I'll transition, <laughs> get back up there. Seamless transition. Quick one, two. How do you do? So, <laughs> but uh, that, yeah, definitely a hobby of mine. I What's your it. stage name? Bobby Nye. Bobby Nye, obviously. Oh God. Bobby <laughs> Nye. So were you a big, uh, were you a big music guy in the locker room? Is you the guy that grabs the music and gets the tunes going? Or oh, I would like spin mixes and then we I would just let them play. I don't know if the guys liked them or not, but I sure as hell did. But uh, you know, I would have like club bangers going, like rises and drops all over the place, and then we would throw it on before the game. I'd make like the warm up mix for inside the building, like so for the pregame oh, skate. I fucking love that. Oh no, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. So yeah. just like I was always kind of in control of it. Yeah, I love that. Another thing we love to talk about on this podcast is food. Um, you know, we get so many people who have traveled around the globe into different countries and stuff like that. Growing up in New York, obviously, that's a huge food hotbed. Uh, tell us about a couple of your hot spots, whether it's in New York or out of the place. Maybe a couple of favorite diners, delis. Okay, uh, New York is that that um, Carbone, the Italian place down. Oh there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my God, rigatoni vodka. No, I haven't had it, but it's like all my friends' Instagram story is Carbone every fucking oh, Saturday night. Yeah, that place is so solid, man. They got uh, that, but you know, it's so expensive, man. It's like, how much does it cost to make some pasta for crying out loud? But uh, that's one spot. Um, where else? I used to live in California, man, and they got um, that Nobu out out on the yeah. pier in Malibu. Well, it's not on the pier, but it's right on the mm -hmm. ocean side. You know, for a special occasion, you, you take the wife or the girlfriend out there. I don't know if you guys have girlfriends or not, but uh, this place is like heaven on earth. I don't know. Have you ever been there? We're still cheap college kids, but once we start oh, making some, once we start making some money, hopefully we, we can Dude, get there. That, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That, that one, that one will set you back a little bit. But you know, that that was when it was a good times back then, man. It was uh, life was easy. Yeah. Definitely um, Carbone in New York. What other spot? I like that. We went to that Raul's place, a little neighborhood joint. Got a great steak frites. Mm -hmm. Really good little spot for, for a date also. Yeah. My wife and I love that place. 
Uh, what am I missing? You guys probably know better than I do. I just want to, I want to plug in some local Syosset spots. I mean, I'm a huge village hero, bagel master kind of guy. Oh, we're, oh, we're talking about, if we're talking about like Syosset area. Well, no, I meant, I meant in general, we, we meant in general, but I'm just trying to plug in my local favorite spots. Oh, pl- plug them in. Yeah. Oh, bagel master. Uh-huh. Sure. The team is my boy. Uh, on top of going to all these, uh, on top of going to all these places, um, in New York, we heard, from a little a little uh, bug, anonymous bug, that we heard you're a great cook and you make a mean rack of ribs. You want to brag a little bit about that or what? Oh, and don't get me wrong, like those those like Carbone and Noble Malibu are special places, but man, yeah, I'm yeah, like yeah. a foodie. I'll go. It doesn't matter if it costs four hundred dollars or if it costs ten dollars, man. If I'm getting a, a unbelievable shawarma on the side of the road, that oh, that's oh, you know what I'm talking oh. about, yeah. But. Uh, Ribs, ribs are definitely a specialty. I got the green egg at home. I got all sorts of contraptions and in, injecting the meat. Got the homemade barbecue sauce, the whole thing, low and slow, <laughs> dry rub. You know, prepping it overnight, oh. cutting the membrane off, cut, trimming the racks so they're nice competition style. Oh, oh man, I, I miss the green egg. I got. I, I've been doing. I was doing briskets on that. I, I've done. Did a couple tailgates for the Michigan football games and did some massive briskets. Oh. You should open that. up a restaurant. Never thought about that. I don't know about that. I, I, I could make <laughs> one. I don't know if I could be making like 20 briskets at the same time. I, I definitely made a few that like, you know, you you need a, a gallon of water to wash it down because it's so yeah. dry. So, but you ever food, had uh, any barbecue in Texas? Uh, you know, when I played in Dallas, I went to a couple spots. But, you know, I, not that I, I recall anything crazy like Franklin's. Or anything oh, like that. Franklin's the spot. Yeah, Franklin's yeah. the spot. I know. Awesome. I got to get there, man. Get a nice nice piece of brisket from that guy. He knows what he's doing. My dad stood online for three <laughs> hours and didn't get served. I told him that they were. No. Yeah. 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 I got to try it out for sure. I bet you do have some amazing memories growing up around an NHL locker room. Are there any cool stories that you can share with us? Yeah. Like, I was just so lucky. I really was. And, you know, my dad retired when I was three years old. So it wasn't like he was still playing or I had a memory of what he was of. of him on the ice but like he was a assistant coach for a little bit and then he did some front office stuff so we always had access to the coliseum i mean the guy had a key to the coliseum so you know at like six o'clock in the morning i would be able to go in with my dad and him and i would just get a bucket of pucks and it'd just be the two of us on the on the ice playing keep away for like you know two hours and you know just uh, in an nhl arena that's uh, not something everybody had the opportunity to do. And then as I got a little older, Rick Bonus, uh, he was the head coach of the Islanders. I, I want to say, who's he with now? Tampa? Or- Sounds familiar. Yeah, I've heard that. Vancouver, I don't know. Well, his son was on my team. So we would go and skate at the Coliseum. Same thing. We would go early. I'd meet him there. And we were both playing for Nassau County Lions. And uh, his, dad was, his dad was coaching the Isles. So uh, we would go out there early. And then like we would get the, the little – beginning of the morning skate when the guys would start coming on the ice they'd let us stay out there for a little and shoot some pucks so we'd snap pucks around in the morning skate and then they'd kick us off obviously to get ready but uh i always remember that that was such a highlight of my youth yeah, yeah so for, cool for sure i mean i wish uh i wish that we a lot of people had the opportunity to do that um it's not very often yeah, you get to definitely. do that but Getting no, into your career, exactly. getting into your career a little bit more. What was it like leaving home and going to play for the national development program? I'm sure that was uh, amazing. Yeah, it's actually a crazy story. So I, I went to the um, the tryout camp that March. You know, they have like the top forty or yeah, whatever yeah. the heck. It is. Yeah. So I went to that, and I wanted it so bad. I wanted to make that team. Like you had no idea, and like anybody else would. 
And, um, you know, on Long Island, I was playing at, for Apicore and like, it was a good level, but in order to get to like, you know, the elite level at that time, you, everybody kind of had to, to go their own way. So, um, this was my opportunity and I ended up originally getting cut from the team and I was so disappointed and I, I went on vacation every day. I would be up to my mom. I'd be like, Oh, you know, did I get a message? Anybody call anybody call? So never got a call. Well, except to tell me that I didn't make the squad. So I was out on uh, visiting my grandparents who lived in British Columbia. And I had like just my suitcase and clothes for like a two week trip out there with my parents. And yep. I get a call from the coach of USA hockey, who was Bob Mancini at the time. And a kid had, had left like one week after being there and they brought me in. And so I, that's how I got on the team. And then by Christmas time, I was captain. Wow. So always. I always tell that story. I didn't even, I didn't make that team. I wanted it so bad. And when I got there, I just wanted to prove to everybody that I deserved to be there and, you know, put my heart and soul into that team. And that was the stepping stone to get me where, where I ended up. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. A natural born leader. Now, before we talk about uh, your college career at Michigan, uh, I heard you name drop New York Apple Corps there. I ended up, I actually played for Apple Corps for three years. Yeah. Uh, juniors lived in, yeah, lived, played for the Corps for three years, lived in Long Beach. Uh, my coach was Henry Lazar and John Sandoz. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Hen Henry was my coach. Same same thing. And uh, like that was the first year that Apple Corps went into the Eastern Junior League. And uh, we had a sick team. Like we had Doug Murray on the team, yeah. Ryan Vesey. Evan Wax was like sniping goals all over the place. Kenny Tarano. Uh, man, the, we the, we had just had so many good players that, that – Half went to Portledge, half went to St. Mary's, and we just had this great group of players. That was so many guys that had successful careers after and played D one. So um, you know that was a that was a that was basically the stepping stone. To be honest, I went from Nassau County, yep. then had the chance to play for Apicor for that one year, and that really got me ready to make the jump to the U S. program. And um, you know, Apicor is a, a big. <laughs> Big part of it. I love the core. Red buckets. Was Nassau County uh, tier two at the time too? Like uh, it was totally different. Like it was just Bantam A, you know, there was A and B. That mm -hmm. was it. So it was like Nassau County, Lions, Suffolk PAL, uh, the Gulls, um, I want to say the Royals, and I uh, can't remember else. But that was it. Like it wasn't like all this tier one. I don't even know how it works anymore. But uh, like nine, in 97, Nassau, 1997 was my Bantam year. We won the state championship that year, went to the nationals. Like, so like the county was, we had it, we were, we were a good team, but uh, I think that it's not like that anymore. Yeah. I remember uh, growing up in, in Long Beach or not growing up in Long Beach. Sorry. The three years I spent. <laughs> growing up, you were 16. <laughs> All right, enough, buddy. Enough, buddy. Moving to Long Beach. I was scared shitless, but I absolutely loved the three years I spent in Long Beach playing for Apple Corps. And that, I feel like that rink is so like historic. And I clearly remember when I went in to play for, uh, Apple Corps, all the pictures on the wall of all the guys from your team's year that like signed and shit after it was absolutely insane. Yeah, we had some, we had a, a great team. We really did. It was uh, a lot of fun. I was the youngest guy in the team for that year. And like, you know, I played in like a limited role. I got some decent ice time, but you know, I, I just learned from being around guys like Vessi and Murray and Wax and Toronto, yeah. these guys, like they, they had played in the year in the league before me. So like, I was just a, you know, a young guy just 
learning the ropes and Applecore was sure. a great spot. Wax is a Jewish guy too. I've yeah. heard that guy's name before. Yep, yep, Waxy. He's uh that guy had a nose for the net, man. And I'll tell you what, he had a big <laughs> on him. You know what I mean? You know, like a Jewish stereotype. Uh, <laughs> he, he was that. And then we, we always said, Waxy, you got a nose for the net, man. <laughs> uh, was Michigan the only school you were talking to, or were you considering any other schools? No, I was definitely talking to some other schools and uh, went on some visits. But uh, when I when I did my visit to Michigan, it was in the summertime. It wasn't even during school. I didn't do like an unofficial visit where you go and hang out with the team and everything like that. I just went to Yost Ice Arena with my old man and uh, walked in the doors. And I was playing for the national program and I'd never even been there. So I was like, wow, this is a barn. And had a sit-down meeting with Red Berenson and he just – you know, was looking us dead in the eye with like his laser death stare and just laid it out cut dry of what, what <laughs> is to be expected and where the opportunity is. And you can do it if you come in and, and play well. And we want to have you here. And I, as soon as I walked out of there, I just knew that, that that's where I wanted to go. And that was the best decision I ever made in my life. Yeah, you can't really beat Michigan. Yep, exactly. Yeah, it's amazing. I got the, I got the opportunity to play at Yoast uh, during my second year in college at Ferris, and it was one of the best experiences of my life. Um, so I can I can only imagine. Oh yeah, well Ferris, that was that was some building too. Ferris was awesome, man. I used to love playing there. Like a couple stories from uh, Michigan. There was we played the regionals. We hosted it my freshman and sophomore year. So we were like now because of those two years, they'll never have it at somebody's home rink ever again. It's always at like a neutral site, like uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Manchester, New Hampshire, or like Grand Rapids is because those two years we were like the number four seed or something going into the tournament each year. And we hosted at Yoast and just like the, the building was so electric that we ended up both years going to the frozen four in these like epic ESPN yeah. classic games that, no matter, I played in like the outdoor games. I played in the NHL playoffs, like all these crazy games. And those two years, the regionals at Yost Ice Arena were by far the craziest hockey experiences I've ever I had. I can only, yeah, I can only imagine the game that I played at Yost. They were honoring, I believe, Marty Turco. It was the first, oh, nice. it was the first time Ferris beat Michigan at Yost in the last like eight years. So it was pretty wild of, a, of an experience for sure. Solid brag, cap, solid brag. Oh, that'd be good. So hey, I got, you know, yeah, at least I got that under the belt. Dude, <laughs> got, the, got the W at Yost. Well, I, you know, it's not quite the same as it used to be. I mean, when I was going, we had like a 22-year NCAA streak, and now it's yeah. kind of a little up and down, and that's going to happen. You know, it's a cycle. It's frustrating as like an alumni of what you're you're used to and what you, you expect, but there's so many good players out there now going to all different types of schools that it's, you know the, the the talent is incredible. Yeah, it, it really it really is. Yeah, and I talk. I know you talk about your your time at Yost and how cool of an arena it was to play in, but talk more specifically about the two years that you went to back to back Frozen Fours, and then on top of that, tell us about your favorite arena that you played in throughout your time at college. Oh, man, okay, well, yeah, those games at Yost were just epic, man. Like the the building shaked, and I remember the story. Uh, my first year when we played, we played Denver in the the regional final we beat st cloud state the first year uh, or the first game of the of the tournament and like there's like a whole backstory how we like kind of put these little stickers in the ice and they found out that we did it and they were like digging them up in the morning skate so we were like are you kidding me and so we went and we beat them in that game and so because denver was the number one seed they got our locker room so we were getting dressed under and like you have to come down the stairs to get down to the ice so we were in the dressing room like 
underneath listening to them come down the stairs of our locker room. That's so weird. <laughs> yeah, and we and we wait, where was this? It. This was at Yoast. Yeah, this yeah. was at Yoast. No yeah. fucking way. Yeah. They were yeah. using your locker they, room. Yeah, that they is got insane. our locker. Yeah, these are the two those two years. So we ended oh up my gosh. Like, and they were they were it was Denver. They were number one team all year long and we had this crazy we were down two one going into the third and scored like a goal to to uh, a goal in the third and then we scored a late one to win it with like a minute and a half left and I, I thought the roof was gonna explode off of Yost. And then the next year they changed the rule again where like the host team keeps their locker room. So we got to stay <laughs> the next year we hosted it again and we got to stay in our locker room. Same thing though, like Colorado College was a team to beat. We played them in the regional finals, but this time we had our locker room and we beat them again at Yoast. And those two years were the two years we went to the Frozen Four. That's so was, sick that you guys yeah. got to play in your own arena. Oh, dude, cool. it was yeah. insane. And then of course we lost both years in the Frozen Four to the Gophers. Were they stacked back then? Oh my gosh, typical. Fact, man, like Thomas Vanek, and they had that uh, Jeff Tafe. This guy was like sniping 35. Like they, they Keith Ballard. Ballard um, sounds familiar. I've heard Ballard man, before. They, yeah, Keith Ballard, D man with the hip checks, played for Yeah, the yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I know that. Yeah. A lefty, uh, lefty, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was he was great. They just, they had <laughs> some great players. They won back to back titles. Mm-hmm. So we yeah, lost both is- years. Whoever whoever won that game, either us or the Gophers, was going to win the title, and they beat us both years, man. Ah, oh, Thomas Vanek. I mean, that's going to feel better at well, least, right? not really. Thomas Vanek scored. Like, <laughs> my sophomore year, we lost in overtime in the uh, to you know to go to the final game. Thomas Vanek did some turnaround spin slapper that hit hit from like the goal line, hit Mont- Montoya's stick, and like ran between his legs. Al Montoya oh. was your goalie. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was gonna ask. That's what I was gonna ask. Was he your goalie all four years? Uh, No, he was younger than I was. So he was uh, three years. We were together for three years or two years. I can't remember. Two or three. He must have been a he must have been a beast at college, huh? Yeah, he He had to have been. He's a great guy. He's one of the best. He's still doing his thing. He had a great NHL career too. Yeah, I think I'm not sure. I think he's still going. He's back up somewhere. I can't keep track. No way. He's still playing that guy. I'm pretty sure. I've been tuned out of of hockey for a little bit, but. yeah, he's uh he's definitely still in the game. You want me to look it up? Sure, yeah, if you want, if you want. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Laz, get yeah, Laz, get into the next question. I'll look All it right, up. All right, sounds good. Um for some reason Michigan's a really popular school for people from Long Island, I guess, because of how much fun it is. Did you have a lot of yes. friends at school outside the hockey team and were there like a lot of distractions party wise with fraternities and all that stuff? No, like, you know, we were never dialed into that stuff. Like, you know, we were our own fraternity. Like we picked and choose. Like we weren't, we weren't stupid, man. We were, we were really dedicated. I had a group of 10 guys in my class. So like we all came in together, like really gelled well, but um, like we were pretty committed and, and didn't mess around until like spring term, obviously. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, I had, I had so many friends from like sleepaway camp from back home from Syosset. So that definitely like, added to the to the mix a little bit as opposed to just being stuck in like the athlete circle you know i'd take some of the guys on the team we go hang out with some of my friends from back home from syosset and you know that was always great to you know see them around campus to give you a little taste of home and make you remember that yeah. aspect not just being a student athlete so you know, i definitely enjoyed that part of it where'd you go to sleep by camp i didn't know you went to sleep by camp camp sequoia I've heard of that. I mean, it's called uh, it's called something else now. Iroquois Springs. Oh, I, yeah, I know Iroquois Springs really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How so long did you go? How many summers? I think I want. I think I went for eight years. Wow, that's actually crazy. Yeah, eight summers, man. Yes, Sequoia. But that was back. You know, like you, you didn't play hockey year round, twenty four seven. You know, like 
as I got older, I would, I would end up having to go to camp a little bit late because I always had this one tournament at the that kind of cut off the beginning of the summer at camp. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I was gone and see you later. And now these kids are like training 24-7, doing uh, hang cleans before bed when they're like nine years old. I think I think our generation, Cappy and I, were probably – I mean, I went to sleep at camp for nine years and I got lucky, nice. I got lucky to play Division One. Like you don't hear about that at all anymore. Mm-hmm. And like the guys, they don't understand how how great that experience is. You know, you can't. My best friends. Exactly. I feel like it's a big. I feel like it's a big New York thing. A lot of the New Yorkers we've had in the podcast so far, almost all of them have been to Sleepaway Camp. So I think that's got to be something. Jewish New Yorkers, man. What do you expect? I think uh, I think Bobby Nystrom, your pops, actually like dropped the puck at my dad's like sleepaway camp color war hockey game or something like that. Oh, like old school? Like, yeah, like way like, back in the day. like way back in the day. Yeah, because because uh, like I said, Corey Bell and uh, my dad were like best friends. So I think okay, where what was that? Equinox. Equinox. Yeah, Camp Equinox. Equinox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice little Camp Equinox plug right there. Bobby just doing his thing, you know, helping out, helping out one of the, his nephews. He's a huge color war guy. Everyone, everyone knows. Can you imagine like the Stanley Cup final? Some guys chirping Bobby. Yeah, go back to fucking sleepaway camp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So funny. Exactly. So like the fact that he now lives in Boca Raton, that sure did a one eighty. Like kids went to sleepaway camp. Like he, you know, he had no. He was working in the pulp mill for crying out loud. That's crazy. Oh my god, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. yeah. Different world. Well, Moving, moving, moving a little bit away from Sleepaway Camp because I know we love talking about that. Um, I got jealous he didn't go. <laughs> I got another anonymous, anonymous oh, question great. for you here. I don't know why these people are anonymous. I guess they must be scared of you. But uh, is it true that there was another big Jew, big strong Jewish hockey player that would show you up at summer workouts? Oh my! Who was <laughs> it? Who is this chirping me like that? Can you tell us about it? Do you remember? Do you remember anything? Who? Who is it? I don't know. I, I, I wish I, if you tell me who well, it the is. Person, I'll, I'll the person, the person that told me it isn't the strong Jewish hockey player. Okay. Okay. A strong Jewish hockey player. Where, what, where would this be? Oh, fuck. I don't know. At, at Institute 3E? Oh, it could be Institute 3E with, uh, what's his name? Don DeFlorio. Oh, DeFlorio. Yeah. Love who that. is it? I, I don't, well, I, you're getting you're getting closer you're getting closer to the area of who the who the guy might be. That fuck. I don't give I don't you know I don't give I don't care I don't care if he's pissed at me for telling me. Uh, Ryan Crothers told me. Oh Crothers! Oh my god! Yeah, Crothers is Jewish. No, Crothers isn't Jewish. He he was my assistant coach this year. I fucking oh, love the guy. Oh come on! Oh he's a great dude, man. Oh my god! No, but he told me this. I was at, trying to ask him for a couple stories. He told me that ask him if it's true about another true strong Jewish hockey player that would show you up in the oh. summer workouts. I don't know. He didn't give me any names. Oh, I don't know who it is. I don't show me up. I don't know, but I had I was working out with Mike Commissarek, so I was getting showed up every single day by that savage animal. He was like, <laughs> he like back squat me over his shoulder. But who's the strong Jewish guy? Yeah, it's a good thing I'm not going back to uh, Robert Morris or Crothers would kick my ass for revealing the anatomy. Tell us, uh, tell us how hard it was adjusting from living on living on Long Island and going to Michigan and then moving to Calgary and being on your own. Okay, here's a scoop, man. On this, on this component. So I was playing in, at Michigan, you know, unlimited budget, like just hooking you up with whatever you basically want there. And then you go to the NHL, you go to Calgary, which is like, you know, when you're from Long Island and you're like your, your first city that you went out to was like New York City. Like that's like everything you know. 
and you go to like the, a smaller Canadian city that's like hockey crazy that has like you know the, a handful of places that you can go like that was always like a shelter like a, uh, a there was always let down expectations because you know you're comparing everything to New York obviously I loved everything about yeah, Calgary yeah. and the, the atmosphere and the fans were awesome the city was great but you know, you, you get sent to the minors your first year and I'm playing in Omaha, Nebraska, and you can only use like CCM sticks. You can only use this, that, and the other, you know, like you're playing a three and three, uh, and you're taking a connecting flight at six in the morning to get back to the game. That's at 3 PM back in Omaha in front of like a thousand fans. Coach was like a, just a real dick. And like, I was like, I'm quitting, <laughs> I'm quitting pro hockey. This is awful, man. Like, but then, you know, you, you realize at the end of the day, they're just trying to push you to get up to the NHL level and, you know, make you not want to come back to the minors and, you know, breaking into the league in a city like Calgary where they're just so hockey crazy and to get the experience to play in front of the sea of red in the playoffs and, and some some great games and, and, and uh, be a part of that. Like, I, I can't complain. It was a, every hockey player who plays in the NHL should have the opportunity to play for a Canadian team for at least one season just to see how yeah. much the fans love it. Did you go to the Calgary Stampede? I went to the Calgary Stampede, but, like, I want to say, like, two years ago for uh, one of my – Two uh, years ago? Yeah, like, I went for a bachelor party. My friend had his bachelor party there. So, of all the years, I was like, okay, there's kids, like – puking all over the place i was like i'm a little too old for this but nonetheless (laughs) we still had a phenomenal time don't get me wrong yeah i've heard it's sick yeah it was a great time we really we had a blast can you take us through also your nhl debut a little bit and then on top of that can you also add what was your favorite nhl arena to play in i i want to say my my first nhl game was on like was it his 50th birthday i can't remember it was definitely landed exactly on my dad's birthday so we played, I played, uh, I got called up. We played the Avalanche. Daryl Sutter was my coach. And w- I think we got pumped like seven to seven something. But we were losing so bad that he put me uh, on the five on three, like, you know, in, on the, in front of the net. Like, he, uh, it, that was a great experience. My old, my old man's birthday. So, but I only, my first two games, I was up for that game. Uh, and then I traveled back to Calgary. We played one more game and I got sent back to the minors and that was it for that whole year. Oh, no way. Yeah. But you know, it's, that's the way it goes. They didn't want you to be too comfortable. Exactly. Just a little taste. <laughs> so what was your favorite NHL arena to play in? Uh, well, I, I always spent my summers out in California and, mm-hmm. um, that's where I did my training. And for some reason, I just, I always loved playing at the Staples Center. And like the garden is amazing. And obviously, Nassau Coliseum. I, I played only a handful of games in the Coliseum, but my first game there, I scored a goal. So that was pretty sweet. But uh, in front of like all my friends and family, that was amazing. Yeah, that's incredible. I'll always remember that. But like Staples Center, the Kings always had these hardworking, like grinding teams. They were winning the cup at the time. And I just always like, just love playing in that building. And there's like, you know, the dude from Aerosmith's in the front row and, like, Pat Jack's <laughs> behind the net, you know. And, and then one time we were playing at the Garden and Tiesto was right behind the bench. So I came off the ice one time from a ship. And I, caught him. I was like, Tiesto! And he gave me, like, a <laughs> <double> thumbs up. <laughs> you, guys should, you guys should collab. <laughs> oh, I wish, man. I wish. <laughs> That's awesome. One day, Eric, you played in, you played in four different cities uh, during your time in NHL. Calgary, Minnesota, Dallas, Nashville. Obviously, they're all very different from each other. What was your favorite city you think you played in and your least favorite city? 
Uh, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's a loaded question. Yeah, that's hard. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, Calgary was, was, was an incredible experience to be in the, immersed in like the Canadian hockey culture, but it is tough, man. You're going to the grocery store. They're asking you like, well, why did, why do you suck? Like all oh, this, that, and the other, <laughs> you know, but, and like, that's it's so like funny. you win a game. They're like, they're getting the Stanley cup celebration ready. You lose a game, trade everybody, fire the coach. Like it was like the, the emotional ups and downs were just mind blowing. But, um, I like playing in Calgary, Minnesota. I, I signed as a free agent and after like, it was the first time I, I got like a pretty solid contract and I thought I had to like be something that I wasn't to like live up yeah. to the contract and like the dollar amount. And, you know, I just, it, it, it wasn't a good fit. I just didn't gel for some reason. I, I like, it just, it, it didn't make, I don't know what it was. I didn't have any chemistry there. So I ended up after my first year, they, they waived me and then traded me. And it was right after that, I went that season, I went on, had a career year, scored like 16 goals, uh, scored one in Minnesota against the wild at like early in the season after they traded me and like waved me. And like, that so must I, felt great. Oh, yeah. dude, I, I sallied so hard yeah. on that goal. But, <laughs> you know, Dallas, I really found like really good chemistry in Dallas right out of the gate and clicked with my line mates. And, you know, that at, from a hockey standpoint was just, uh, you know, the team there was awesome dude so yeah. i really enjoyed playing in dallas and like you know the confidence i had as a player that obviously made everything you know heightened like my my experience in that regard and nashville like we just had some awesome teams and it's kind of unfortunate what happened there because you know like i, I came in early I, I wanted to play for trots trots got fired and we were like building the right the team in the right direction and each year we kept getting better and better and my last two years there well, Trotz got fired and Laviolette came in and, you know, I, I had a kind of a different role. It was pretty hard, pretty hard to swallow it. Like, but, uh, you know, it wasn't that I was upset with the role. It was just like, we were basically, go I was taking defensive zone faceoffs, getting the puck out and line changing. So it was pretty <laughs> miserable. It, it was, it really was tough. And then the last two seasons, I, I had a couple bad injuries like Weber I got a really bad high ankle sprain, went full speed into the boards, and just my ankle went in a direction it's uh, not supposed to. Uh, yeah, at the end of the season, and I so I, I missed the playoffs that year after I hadn't made the playoffs in like five straight years. Yeah. So that was like devastating. That and then sucks. the next year would come back, and Weber towards the end of the season hits me with an absolute one-time bomb where oh, he was no. literally skating. Like my line mate posted up on the wall and like laid him like, a two mile an hour pass as he was skating full speed oh. and just leaned into it. Uh, I'm pretty sure I flamingoed. I'm pretty sure I flamingo. It hit me. I right never hit by a car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was screaming goalie. The buzzer went off and it hit me right on the top of the laces. It wouldn't have even counted, and he broke my foot. And I mean, that's yeah. fucking brutal. For the locker room listeners that don't know Shea Weber, if you're not a hockey fan, this guy's got hands down. Top three, you can probably attest to this hardest slap shot in the whole entire NHL. Oh, he's he won the shot. He won it this yeah. year. Yeah, it's a, yeah. 107 miles per hour. Well, except for that guy yeah. who came in from uh, the Kings who got called up from the minors with like the 112. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, right on top of the laces, man. And, and uh, like he came in after the period. He was like, I was. I asked him, I said, hey, man, did you get all that one? He was like, yeah, I got all that one. <laughs> and then that the x-ray came back. The trainer came and said, uh, it's broken. I was like, shit. 
I mean, you, you probably could have known by that time, no? I, I, well, I, I, it happened at the end of the second period, so I didn't take my skate off until, you know, oh, after yeah. the game. And then once I did that, I was like, oh, man, this hurt. Just a nail yeah. gun. Right on the top <laughs> of the laces, man. Just shattered it. Eric, who's uh, you've been you've been coached by so many you know great coaches over the over your time in the NHL, mm-hmm. even like minor and stuff like that, and the U.S. development camp. Who was like your your most influential coach that you had over your years? Uh, that's you know obviously that's a tough to to really state because they've uh, to state because they've all had such a great impact. You know, yeah. every single one of them along the way, and you know Bob Mancini was the coach at USA Hockey who you know gave me the chance. You know, after being cut. And uh, kind of took me under his wing, and he really, we really had a good connection. And then Mike Eves was the coach of next year. That guy was crazy, but you know he liked me <laughs> as a player. This that guy was a fantastic teacher. He taught me how to penalty kill, and that helped me carve out a niche in my NHL career. Was some of the skills and techniques that I learned from him. And then Red Berenson, obviously at Michigan, was uh, you know just. Uh, there's not not enough I could say about him, and uh, we have yeah. a great relationship. He can still comes out to the Tuesday night skates at Yost. I, so I live in Michigan, and uh, oh, I was right doing, yeah, I was doing my master's degree. I just finished that, and uh, thanks, man. yeah, thanks a lot. And uh, Red comes down to the Tuesday night skates at Yost, so we skate from nine to nine fifty. All the alumni, but like you know, it's like guys no are like way. seventy. And Red's out there full gear, digging in on the opening face off, hacking you in the back of the legs, like chirping you out there so he's still in shape i think he's 80 80 or something like that but uh you know he just teaches you everything about how to be a professional not even hockey like hockey's not even important to him he's more proud of the guys who are the surgeons the lawyers doctors like he's just he loves that aspect of it so uh red was a huge coach and then nhl wise my favorite coach was glenn gullitson i don't even know where he is now but he was my coach in dallas and we really connected other than that you know they were just coping. What are you looking to do career-wise now since you finished your master's? That's awesome. Well, I, I took it in sports management, so but with like a real estate focus, I, I own a bunch of Airbnbs. I got a few out in um, Joshua Tree, California. I have a couple in Nashville. Can you hook us up? And the yeah, I'll hook you up. Yeah. <laughs> right now is a great now is a great is a great time to go. Right now, nobody going. I can't imagine Nashville's oh, too actually, fun yeah. right now, though. Yeah, seriously. No, Nashville, they're closed. We closed it because yeah. we don't we want to protect community especially in joshua tree which is a really small community having people coming in and out from la all the time is not uh we want to just make sure we're protecting the community there from the virus but um you know my wife and i run these things full time so now that we have them shut down we're we're enjoying life it's a 24 7 gig but uh i'm i'm definitely uh i love the real estate i'm a number cruncher excel spreadsheets love accounting so (laughs) that's the nerd side (laughs) that's so funny so yeah. aside from that, what would you say was your favorite memory of your playing career? I know you spent time overseas too a little bit. You know, the one, my first goal is definitely a, a huge memory because it was so special. My uh, One of my best friends and classmates from Michigan, Dave Moss, he was drafted by... He's a Calgary guy too, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Dave Moss. So we played all four years together in Michigan. Like I actually married him and his wife. I was the, the pastor. I got, I got a cert, I was a certified rabbi. You're a jack of all so trades, got, huh? Exactly. So I got like, you know, whatever it is, ordained. I got ordained. So I married them. So he's like, that's how close we are. And my first NHL goal was a, a two on one. It was me and him at, at like the, in the late in the third period. 
and he just set me up with a backdoor tap in against Nashville. And I scored it and went like sliding into the end boards. And the picture with the plaque and the puck is like me on the ice, like celebrating. And he's like over top of me, getting ready to give me a huge hug. So, you know, that's uh, that's that's one of the best memories is that Mosser set me up with the old backdoor tap in for the first <laughs> We'll, we always talk about you'll it. have to send me that picture when you get a chance we'll post it that's awesome oh, for sure yeah. for sure it was like on the front page of like the calgary herald or whatever it was that's awesome eric we we love to do something on the podcast we call it matzo ball minute we started it a couple podcasts ago okay. uh, before i get into this i do oh. want to say that al montoya the last team he played for was 2018 2019 he was in the ahl with uh bakersfield condors um so I haven't seen anything for, for this recent past year. So I don't know what he's doing. What a run. Hell of a run. If he's done with his career, we want to wish him a great career. If not, we hope the best. But let's get into Matzo Ball Minute. A um, couple quick questions. You're allowed to elaborate on any question you want to, so don't hesitate on elaborating. But we'll start it off with a, a quick one. Potato latkes or matzo ball soup? Damn. I got to go I got to go with the latkes, man. <laughs> I don't eat too – I eat pretty healthy all the time. So, like, if I'm going to indulge – a nice locker with like extra applesauce. Yeah. Don't tell me a locker is your cheat meal. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm keeping it tight <laughs> over here, man. I'm not playing hockey anymore. <laughs> That's too funny. <laughs> yeah, you got to love a nice bowl of matzo balls. Oh, you can't go wrong with that. That's matzo like, you know, pick your men's. It's a win win. Exactly. All right. Next up Eight Crazy Nights or Inglorious Bastards? Oh. I don't think I've ever seen eight crazy nights. So inglorious bastard. No. Wow. Terrible wow. Jew. When the kids turn thirteen, you gotta show it to them. <laughs> okay. Done. So inglorious right. bastards. Next up for sure. <laughs> inglorious bastards. I mean, can't go yeah. wrong with that either. Next up, Jonah Hill or Andy Samberg. Jonah Hill, hundred percent. Good job. Love it. All right. Uh, easy one. Twitter or Instagram? Instagram. Twitter's like everybody right. on that anymore, man. I love Twitter. I, I, yeah. I, I, oh I, yeah. I oh yeah. Out and it's like I'm I'm such a loser now, man. I, I get like four two responses. I'm like, man. Yeah, it's hard. We'll start. We'll start. Re, we'll start retweeting you. We'll start retweeting you. Okay, sounds good. Do you have a Facebook? Would Facebook would have been a better uh, better question or what? No, Instagram and Twitter, hundred percent. I still check the Twitter and see what people are writing. It's pretty funny sometimes. But yeah. my my Instagram feed is just like if you go to my popular page. It's just meat. It's like steaks and brisket and barbecue. It's hilarious. <laughs> we got to get you on the Food Network. Call Guy Fieri. What the fuck's he doing? Oh, I love that guy. Oh, dude. Guy Fieri is my boy. I'd love to meet him one day. <laughs> but uh, let's move on. Uh, your your favorite diner or your favorite deli? Um, like, Are you asking me like to specify which is – Oh, no, no, no. Oh, you can after, but I'm, I'm, th- I'm just thinking what would you rather go to? Your favorite yeah. diner or your favorite deli? <sighs> Man, that's loaded. I know. <laughs> you know, like the thing is, when you're when you move away to places that they don't understand the diner or the deli, oh, yep. it's so frustrating, man. These Coney Islands in Michigan, it's like, what do you, what, why are you all called Coney Island? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's a tough one, man. Like a nice omelet at the at the diner, you can't go wrong with that. But then getting like a great deli sandwich or like a bacon yep. egg and cheese on yep. the wall. Deli bacon, egg and cheese on a roll with the uh, pepper and ketchup is the, yep. is what I, if I can go for one thing, that's it. I'm with you on that. hundred percent. You can't, you just can't, you can't find a bacon, egg and cheese on a roll from any deli outside of New York. That's going to taste the same. Yep. 
Well, like, you know, Jersey counts too, you know, like. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. I agree. I know what you're saying though. So I added this question. Uh, we were going to leave it out, but you told me you you uh, always celebrate. You didn't always celebrate Christmas. You always threw like Christmas parties and whatnot. So I'm going to go Christmas or Hanukkah. Well, you know, like the the best part about Christmas was that it, my mom would bake for like a month getting ready for Christmas. And yeah. we would just have a, a great party. But, you know, I'm Jewish. So Hanukkah was fantastic. But the Christmas party that we threw always made christmas a very special day and we didn't even have to go to, we didn't go to church man we were just uh, jewish people celebrating yeah. Yeah, you're, you're so lucky dude you're yeah. actually so lucky christmas is the worst day of the year <laughs> no i love it though I, my, my girlfriend's my, my girlfriend's catholic so i mean right now getting her christmas presents is okay but i still love celebrating with her and her family it's absolutely amazing oh, it's, so. oh, it's great man yeah it's, especially when mom's baking you know Oh, are you kidding me? But let's move on. Uh, favorite sport besides hockey? Mich- Michigan football. That's it, man. Like, I, I don't even watch hockey. So I can't even tell you that hockey's my favorite sport. I don't watch any hockey. I really <laughs> – I don't watch any sports, man. I'm, I'm not even – except for Michigan football. That is it. I went to a few Michigan hockey games this year to check out the squad. But uh, love Michigan football. It's really tough being a Michigan sports fan. What do you I think of it. Garrett Van Wy on the hockey team? That's our boy. Who's that? Which guy? Garrett Van Wy, number 51. Penalty, uh, great, great penalty killer. I, I don't know the personnel enough to even know who that is. But, uh, just just pretend, you, pretend you do. Pretend you do. No, no. Next time, next time I watch, I'll pay attention more for and check out his game for sure. You know, I'll go in there. I got a little guy running all over the place. My, my old teammates will have their kids there. It's like a Royal Rumble, you know, I'm like – you don't even have a chance to watch a game. So, but next time I'll definitely dial in and, and I'll give you the feedback on your buddy. Love that. So, so were they were they as ruthless as they were back in the day? Meaning the student section in Michigan? Because when I played there, they had um, the Norris. I played with Cole Norris. His brother was on the team at the time, and they had uh-huh. pamphlet pamphlets of every person's name on the opposing team, and then like information about each one. I'd be like this one, girlfriend's name, parent's name, and then like other shit that just to chirp them with. Did they have that back in the day as well? Uh, I, I don't know if it was quite detailed or organized like that, but it was a, there was a lot of swearing. And now they like they play the music over the penalty box thing when they send it. Like They, they now play music to, to drown out all the swearing. But when I was playing there, the whole barn would be like swearing. But what about Ferris State? Are they still doing like the sucks dick after the – Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, like, I was always like – Look at this place. <laughs> the, the best Ferris chant. No class. The best. So I transferred out of Ferris. I finished my senior year at Robert Morris, but my three years there I absolutely yeah. loved. But the best chant that I heard from opposing teams at Ferris is Ferris is not a state. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best one. Everywhere we fucking went. Ferris is not a state. Yeah, they definitely uh, – that was a tough barn, man. I was playing there. I would always play against um, – Kunitz. Oh yeah, you played against Kunitz on the team back then. Yeah, yeah, Kunitz and that Rob Collins. Yeah. Those guys were just machines out there. Yeah, fuck. They got Kunitz hanging up on every single wall plaque. He's the heart and soul of Ferris. And the guy won four cups. Yeah, he's uh, he's a great guy. Oh please, he's a great yeah. player, great guy. Yeah, he was a, a hell of a player. So we normally like to wrap things up on each episode. We asked our guests a pretty tough, you know, deep question. So I want to give you a second to prepare. Sure. If you could go back and give advice to the 15-year-old Eric Nystrom, what would you tell him? Okay. 15-year-old Eric Nystrom. Could be the same. Could be different. 
you know, whatever kind of advice you would give to your 15 year old self, man, I would have told myself to shoot the puck. Way more. <laughs> Honestly, but like, no, but like on a deeper level, yeah. like I, to a fault, like I was just such a team guy to a fault that I always put everyone in front of myself, like so unselfish, but there's a way that there's a time where you have to be more selfish, but still be unselfish. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. there was just moments that you could see how the guys who just have that mindset that, that, you know, they're just, they want it. They want that shot. They want to be the guy. They don't care about taking that shot. You know, they're not thinking about, I should have done this, should have done that. Every single player, like over analysis, just playing the game and wanting to be that person to take the shot. Yep. And like, you know, there's times where you do have to turn on the selfish button, but, but you know, the right way, like a Mike Fisher, you know, like that guy would take it down and he would just let the, he was the most selfless, like prototypical hockey player you could, you would, could ever imagine like if you can build a mold of a hockey player it's mike fisher and this guy like he would just you know take the puck and just like snap the snapper like he wanted it like that was the one thing you know like sometimes you have to make sure that you are the guy who wants to like really truly make the difference and be selfish in that regard but still be like the most ultimate unselfish team player you could possibly be that's great advice. I mean, we, we've asked our, our guests previously that same exact question, and you're the first person to kind of answer it in that sense. Yeah, that was so. I mean, that was such know, a good answer. I love that. You know, and obviously stick practice stick handling in the garage a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> but we want to thank you, Eric. This was so much fun for us. Amazing. I mean, we did almost an hour. Though. Like, just natural flowing conversation. It's how the Jewish culture is, you know. It was so much fun. Thank exactly. you. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we really appreciate it. And if you know anybody, any of your former Jewish teammates that you think would be great on this, um, please send them over because we'd love to have them on. Will do. I'll think of uh, the the list. It's really long, so I'll have a hard time figuring it out. It's got to be. (laughs) And now we'll have uh, we'll have our eyes on your Twitter page so we can help get you some more likes and retweet that. (laughs) We will. We will. Enjoy Passover. Enjoy the rest of your quarantine. Hopefully it doesn't last too long, yeah. but thank you again. Stay safe. So much Thanks Stay so much. Safe. Thanks so much, Eric. Later, fellas. Louisville Autoplex is a proud sponsor of The Locker Room. We carry all makes and models of trucks, and if we don't have what you want in our inventory, we'll find it for you. We sell and ship our trucks all around the world. Check us out, louisvilleautoplex.com, and ask for Jeff Bob, the biggest hockey dad out there. Shalom. Another phenomenal interview by Eric Nystrom. So glad we had him on. Um, we'd like to thank him again. Hopefully he can come on in the near future, maybe give us another couple of Jewish people to come on. Um, I really love talking to him, especially especially about his time at you know Michigan. Um, I got the opportunity to play at Yost uh, one time, one of the most historic moments in my NCAA career. But it was just great to hear from him and his hockey career and all the experiences that he's talked to. Um, I know you looked up to him a lot, Johnny, especially being from Syosset. He was from Syosset. What did you think of the interview? If you guys haven't heard it enough by now, Cappy was 1-0 at Yost Arena. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, for me, like – my dad was always friendly with, with Bobby Nystrom, Eric's dad. So I've been hearing about Eric my entire life. And he was, for me, he was that one Jewish Jewish kid that made it, that I kind of looked up to. 
and to talk to him personally for the first time was really cool for me. Um, I do actually have a memory. I'm friendly with Eric's cousin or, or nephew. I, I'm not sure how exactly they are related, but Corey Bell and his two sons, Aaron and Ben, I have a memory of when I was like five years old. I should have told him this. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking, but that's uh, fine. Uh, I think Bobby was at the Bell's house and me, Ben, Aaron and Bobby were playing like two on two, like mini hockey in the basement, which was like for me at the time was so cool. I mean, I didn't really appreciate it as much as I do now. But yeah, to to I mean to play hockey with you know one of I mean I was a Ranger fan growing up, but I still knew who Bobby yeah, was. Yeah. I I respected Bobby, but you know that was definitely a cool memory that I that I'd carried with me throughout my entire life. So he had a lot of For cool sure. things to say, especially growing up in Syosset. He plugged some really cool food from food spots from New York. Um, Love that. Yeah, that was awesome. We love talking about the food on this podcast. Loved hearing his couple hot spots. Yeah, I just loved. I just loved hearing like you know his story because everybody's had a different story growing up. And I think the craziest thing is when we talk to all these people. Like people understand by listening to these podcasts how close the Jewish community is. Like you and you and my, uh, myself had so many people in common with Eric. And it's just like, man, I'm from Florida. Like, obviously, you're from his hometown. You know a lot more people than I have. But, like, who would have thought I would have went to go play for Apple Corps and he played for Apple Corps. He knows all these similar guys and and just goes through another different route leading to the NHL. And it's just uh, – it, it's, a, it's a great thing to hear for sure. And the coolest thing for me is – and you can attest to this, Cappy, is when, when we started this, I mean, I, I could at least vouch for this, you know, opinion. But I think we both thought that the first 10 episodes would just be us, like, talking to our friends. Yeah, And the fact that we've got a guy like Eric Nystrom, who the both of us, or, you know, at least for me, I know, I know you know of him, but have, have looked up to our entire yeah. lives. It's just, it's so cool and so unique with what the Jewish culture can provide for kids like us, because it is such a tight fraternity. And oh, yeah. just like how hockey is, Eric talked about it too, how when he was at school, he had his camp friends, he had his home friends, but his hockey team was such a fraternity. And that's always how we have kind of felt being Jewish athletes. So yeah, it's funny. It's funny. It's funny. You say that, like, it's like talking about like how he was on like a team and stuff like that. Like, like he, he talked about like DJing and how he was always just involved in the music and stuff like that, man. Like, you know, me in the locker room in Wichita Falls, like that was me. We were listening to, What's that one song you played? Waiting for love, waiting for you yep. every <laughs> fucking game. Man. I I actually hated I hated like techno music and whatever EDM whatever that's classified as. But you yeah, kinda, yeah, yeah, you kind of got me like into that kind of music. So so in Wichita Falls, it was I would I remember this obviously clearly because it was such a fun year. But my stallmate was Nikita, of course. Mm-hmm. And and every like every other song that I would play would be Nikita's request. And, <laughs> you know, so you can only give imagine. A background on Nikita. Give a background on Nikita. All right, for every, all the listeners, Nikita is our wonderful Russian friend. We played with him in Wichita Falls. I absolutely am obsessed with this fucking kid. Everybody that runs into Nikita loves him. My girlfriend's obsessed with him. Um, he's hot because he's hot, and his English is not very good. <laughs> yes, he's very. He's a very attractive Russian young boy. And he's just so fucking funny. But he's also a great hockey player. He's still playing professional in Russia. He's actually trying to make it back to possibly play pro in the United States in, uh, you know, one day in the near future. But, yeah, I mean, I just loved uh, – getting back to Eric a little bit, I, I loved, uh, you know, how he was obsessed with techno music and DJing and stuff like that because that, that's all fucking me right there. Even when I went to Ferris my freshman year, I literally took the microphone the, – the, uh, phone and put it in the speaker like the first day i was like yeah i guess i'm controlling the music it's so funny too like all the all the jewish kids that want to be djs and eric got to be an nhl player now he's pursuing the dj thing you know like 
Yeah. I mean, good for him, you know? Like it's it's awesome that and it's awesome that the real estate thing worked out. Obviously, like a lot of former NHL players kind of struggle to find that next chapter in life. And it seems like he's got a yeah. pretty good spot. I mean, he got his masters, he's got a kid, he's got a family now. He talked about uh moving to Florida, you know, when when everything's said and done. But it's it's nice to see that he's got it all figured out. Yeah, it's always great to have a backup plan. I'm glad he's uh, having fun and, and doing great with the realtor stuff and, and everything that he's doing. Um, I also thought it was hilarious how, you know, all of our listeners know we love to ask the question at the end of our podcast about what would you say to your 15-year-old self? And he told his 15-year-old self that he would shoot the puck more. And I literally, immediately when he thought that, I was like, man, this is fucking Laz is going to be so fucking jazzed about this question. Because like yeah. <laughs> every time, I, like, that's the type of player Laz is. Laz is like so for the boys. And he's just like, all right, like I'll pass the puck. Like, even in Wichita Falls, um, our buddy Austin Albrecht had like 40 goals or something like that. He put in a line with Laz. And Laz had like fucking a shit ton of assists and like, you know, maybe if Laz would have shot the puck more, he would have scored a couple goals. But I immediately thought of you when he said that. What'd you think of that question? I mean, yeah, like since I was 12 years old, every coach has been telling me to shoot the puck more. I mean, it's just, I, I think it's just like a thing that's like built inside me. My dad always said, you know, he, my dad was my hockey coach, you know, growing up and like, well, roller hockey, he didn't know shit about ice, but yeah. You know, my dad always told me like the most important thing for me and the lesson that my dad taught me was to have fun. And when I was younger, I, like, I mean, this is like, I don't know if this is like a weird brag or whatever, but I was just like better than like <laughs> most of my friends in roller hockey at Skate Safe America in Plainview, which is like where all the Jewish kids grew up. Yeah, yeah. And I, like, you were the better Jew. I didn't have fun like taking the puck from end to end myself. I wanted to set up my friends like Henry, who could barely fucking skate and try to set him up for, <laughs> for a tap in goal, you know? Like, I just, I always, yeah, yeah. Like, since I was a young kid, I always had more fun like sharing the fun by passing and setting up an assist than I did for a scoring goal. You know? Yeah, no, 100%. And once again, we initiated the good old matzo ball minute questions in Eric's interview, and he had some phenomenal answers for those questions, elaborated on a couple. And, and there was um, like yeah, nights. What's, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely insane that he hasn't seen any crazy nights. I grew um, up on that movie. Yeah, one of Adam Sandler's best. Obviously, Adam Sandler said a lot, but from a cartoon standpoint, that was just fucking magic. Yeah. That's a technical foul. <laughs> <laughs> that shows the best. But yeah, I mean, that was an awesome interview. Hopefully we can get him on in the future. But I mean, that about wraps it up for this episode. We want to thank you guys once again for listening. We appreciate all the feedback. Please tweet negative thoughts to us. Run not thoughts. <laughs> negative comments to us because that's when we know we've got something good going is when, when people start to bitch at us. We love that. So yeah, we encourage that. Thank you guys again. Enjoy your holidays. Enjoy. Hopefully quarantining is almost over by now, but. You know, just keep trying to spread the positive vibes and positive thoughts. Shalom. Mazel tov. Keep sharing the podcast, baby.
without you now This is what it feels like